When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the In Search of More podcast. I am your host, Ellie Nash. Join me weekly on my quest for more, more from myself and more from this world. We'll see you on the other side. All right. I'm sitting here with Nitsa Benbenishti. Hi. Hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. The founder and the head of the school Yotar. Yes. What does Yotar mean? Creating light. Creating light. Yes. Nice, beautiful. Where does it come from? God, it says, creates light. Yes, actually, creating Yotzer uh, Adam. He said it for man and for light. So, because it's it's a specific kind of a light. Like, um, I think it's like a more divine light. So, creating light. What The reason we have the school called Yotzer is because um, basically our mission is to create light in the world by being um nice to each other basically <laughs> in a nutshell you know just being kind and focusing on i have kindness you know good me dot things like so that it's a girl school yes focused on what age group six through 12th grade six through 12th grade okay it's interesting so middle school and high school yes got it yeah Okay, so you're getting them, uh, was it always that age group? Yes. Actually, um, it's funny because, you know, the older girls and the younger girls are in different stages, but it's a very interesting thing how a maternal instinct is something that's just in a woman. And um, it's just one of her gifts, I guess. And the older girls just naturally take care of the younger girls. And we have considered only doing a high school because, you know, you get deeper and like, but I, I feel like in a way, if you start earlier, you're like preventing um, any um, pain that comes from being in a regular school system, which, okay, I don't want to bash any schools, of course. I don't want to say anything bad. They're all beautiful people doing beautiful work, trying to do the right thing, but the school system can hurt people. Um, because of its rigidity and um, 
the sooner that kids come into a system that's more loving and accepting, the sooner they, you know. Right. Often this can be size-driven. So what's what size is your school? We have 50 girls in the school. Right. Uh, we do like to keep it small. Um, we try to keep the class sizes to 12 per grade. Um, you know, we did just have 14 graduates last year. You know, if there's if there's a girl who's going to do well, <clears throat> if there's a girl who's going to do well in the school, um, we try to make a space for her because she's a human being, basically. You know, she's precious in the world. She's precious and valuable. And um, to like not allow her into the school, we feel would be like a disservice. We try to make a plan, you know, get her in, even though we don't have, we are limited with space. We're small, we're new. Um, How long have you been running the school? This is our seventh year. Seventh year. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's a full dormitory. Everyone's from? We have a dorm. No, most of the girls are from Most Florida. are local. Oh, yes. I got it. Uh, Where's the school have, based? We um, we are in the JCC in North Miami Beach. In North Miami Beach, okay. Yeah. Cool. It's very cool. Very cool premises. It's so funny because we're such a tiny school and our campus, in a way, is epic because we have... We, we have dance, art, music, things like that as a subject. And this is something that was always part of the vision. And it literally just fell into our laps, you know. Rabbi Ailey like, Smith is involved in the school, yes. right? He yeah. mentioned it to me years ago. Yeah, he's amazing. About the wow. uh, school. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, oh, Rabbi Ailey for very, sure. very righteous person. Yeah. And his wife, Nahamadina, is really, she's my best friend in Miami. And actually, when I wanted to start the school, they called me up. And they said, come, come over, you know, come over to the house. And they sat up until, I mean, he's a very busy person. She's a very busy lady. <laughs> we sat, I think, for four hours um, planning how the school would be. Like, wh why, why bother opening a school if you're just going to do what everyone else is doing, right? It makes no sense. There's right. no point. So um, he um, guided us from the beginning, and he still is, and he always knows the right thing to say, and he always, you know, it's Das Torah. I believe that he has a, he has an insight into what kids need. And, He's incredibly um, real, very, very yes, real. Yes, yes, yeah. and his wife as well. I mean, I'm I'm very close to her, so obviously, I know her. But from working with him over the years, I mean, I don't know. We're just so blessed. It's so it's a miracle how the whole school started, even in the first place. But. Um, right. Right, I'd love to hear about that. But he, he mentioned the school to me about four or five years ago. Oh, wow. Because he has a, a music program, I think, that he leads at LEC. Oh, yes. He helped music yes, and software's yes. program. And right. I've been helping out with that. And he mentioned the, uh, the school. Oh, okay. Years ago. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened with it. But then Nomi Ganevish put, put us in touch. Wow. So. You see? It's the souls. They're connected, right? Yeah. Somehow. We all go back. So you and Nomi are friends from childhood? From Johannesburg, yeah. Oh, we, very cool. We grew up. We went to school together. So when I was in Yeshiva... She was always as nice as she is now. She was always. <laughs> she's the nicest, sweetest. She's a sweetheart. When I was in Yeshiva in Montreal, I was there for two years. I, we ba I basically lived at their house. I mean, well, I was there all the, literally all wow, the time. The most wow. open, the most loving, the most warm. Knew a lot of their kids growing wow. up. Wow! Yeah. So you see, I haven't even been in her home. I like, I'm just in touch with her on WhatsApp. We have like a, a class chat from, from our old class, 
And um, without going there, I know. Like, I speak to her and I hear how warm and sweet and loving she is, but I, I could have... I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know She's how amazing. it is today, but when we were in yeshiva there, it was... The Montreal community in general is incredibly, incredibly warm. Oh, and wow. us in yeshiva, we always had somewhere to go. There were many, many... Um, Many, many people who invited us, but there were some who made us feel like their home is our home. Yeah. And, uh, and no one does good. it like me or Naomi, for sure. Wow. So, I believe that. Incredible. She's amazing. She's a very special girl. So she told you um, to right. Well, I'll tell you something else also. At one point, I mean, this is going back almost 20 years, but Mayor and Naomi came to Miami okay. um, on vacation, and they must have seen the Smicha program that was being run by... Robert Ailey Smith. Smith. And when they um, when they came back to Montreal, they told me about it. I looked into it, and I ended up, that's why I ended up moving to Miami. Wow, so because went, of him. I ended up coming to the Smicha program with Robert Ailey Smith. Wow. Spent a year here, and afterwards, He's amazing. I went back to And Rabbi Citron was there at the time you're talking about. Rabbi Citron was there, but at that point in time, he had transferred to the shul. He wasn't involved oh, in the Smicha okay. program. But it was a Smicha program that I think he had started... And then Rabbi Smith took over. Took over. So I was there for, I was there for one year, and when I went back home to Crown Heights after the year, I basically was there for two weeks. I said, "I'm going back to Florida. I liked it too much." Wow! And that's how I ended up. Uh, that's amazing. Down here, yeah. So it's actually funny. I mean, I met Nahamadina. My mother met Nahamadina at a shiur, and I had just moved to Miami also about twenty years ago when he was doing that. And I didn't know anybody. And she said, you are going to love my daughter. We're going to give her, we're going to be <laughs> friends. <laughs> and I met her like a few days later. And she was like, oh, I think I met your mom. <laughs> and we've been friends also like ever since. I don't know. She's amazing. I really, Baruch Hashem. That's also why like, it makes so much sense. Like when you look back, how things click into place and how you meet this person and they're meaningful in your life because of whatever reason and you find out you know, as you grow. Um, but they're very, very, very special and very meaningful in our lives. And I think that they put that they're that he is one of the reasons that the school is special. So talk about talk about that a little bit. Talk about how the school founded and what uh what led you to start a school. Okay. Um, your background before that is you were an artist, my Yes. Yes. Okay. I painted and I um you know like I did art classes exhibitions like I do very like like spiritual kind of art and that was really all that I, I was doing I worked as a teacher in in a school um I came with a religious visa I had to leave the country like numerous times it was very actually very hard to come but South Africa there was no no real option to stay there it's not safe and I had to leave the country numerous times because of my visa, but I came back with a school, so I was working really, really crazy hours. And um, happens to be that my we lived in Israel, we lived in Miami, we, we moved, and my kids were learning in Hebrew. Your kids were learning? In Hebrew, and then we came here, and they're like learning in English, you know. Right. So my oldest daughter um, wasn't thriving in her school, <laughs> and... Um, I definitely don't want to harp on this, and this is not something... When I made the school, I I made like a hachlata, basically, that I'm not going to bash schools ever. But I'll just tell you, because I want you to understand. 
um, they just kind of picked on her, I guess, and um, they didn't want her to come to the school, not for really any reason. They even said to me, she's a lovely girl, it's not a fit. You know, and I was like, tell me she did something to like, get kicked out, whatever, you know, this is really something, please, like, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to make anybody look bad, it's not my aim. But I went from school to school and they wouldn't take her. And she cried even in one interview, please, I'm like, I just want to go to school. And I would call this woman every what night. What age? She was in going into 10th grade and she was oh. like, basically going to have no school. And um, obviously I think she's an amazing girl, but... <laughs> I'm a little biased, but she really is. And anyway, why shouldn't a kid go to school? Every child should be able to get an education. And if it doesn't work in one school, okay, let's find another school. But I went from school to school, nothing happened. And um, it was the beginning of the year and she was still not in school and I didn't want her to stay at home. So I just brought her with me to work. And a lady who um, I'd never really met before wandered into the room to like assist us because the kids are crying in the beginning of the year. I worked in a play group and um, she said to me, what's your daughter doing here? And I said, um, you know, she's not going to school. We, we don't have a school. And she said, I have a school in my home. Just send her. And I said, no, you know, I got homeschool. I want, she wants to go to a regular school. I asked her. She didn't want to go. Um, and also they were all 12th graders. So basically I, I kept like fighting with the schools to take her in. And... Um, they didn't and eventually the lady said I'm gonna give my daughter her number and her daughter called my daughter and she went to school. she said all right I'll try it out so she went in and the first day she came home with the biggest smile on her face like relief or like almost like just she was smiling she said to me mom I learned more today in two hours than I learned in two years anywhere else so I went to the I called the lady up and I was like this is amazing. This needs to be for other girls. <laughs> Why only these girls? They're going to graduate and then what? So that's really how the school came to be. So how big was the school that your daughter went to? Um, it, she had her 12th grader her, and her three best friends, and they were all graduating, and then my 10th grader. So basically the school was closing the next year. So, so four kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with literally no budget, <laughs> we had... We had to open a business bank account. It's a funny story because you have to, you need to open an account of $25, right? So I'm like, 26 is your K5K. So Hashem has to help us. So I opened the account and I just started opening a school. And I would call every rabbi in town like, hi, how are you? We need a girl's school in Miami. Just the year that she was in that homeschool, I basically just started calling everybody like, what's going to be? Like, other girls need this. And I was volunteering for, do you know Matis Abarbanel? I do. Yeah. So I was volunteering for the girls program and there were tons of girls out of school and just delicious, adorable kids. No reason for them not to be in school. Um, and uh, I just, I don't know, something happened. I never planned to start a school. I never had a business plan or anything. I just kept calling. I called, you know, Rabbi Kutov? Rabbi Kutov, no. he started a boys' school here for... Um, like 10 years ago for kids who also were not getting into regular schools and um he I said to him I heard you started a school so he said yes I did so I said can I can you like tell me what to do because I'm starting a school and I don't know what to do what he said don't and start a school no he said well first of all he <laughs> said wonderful I've been uh, literally with mm -hmm. like that he said I've been hoping somebody would do this I've been asking women in the community nobody wanted to do it come over bring a notepad <laughs> 
<laughs> that's how I started the school. And then, um, you know, a few times she said, are you sure you want to do this? It's a lot of work. I'm like, okay, okay. whatever. I just, I just kept going. But then why, when it started to become real, people started calling me. I've never really advertised the school um, until now. I guess this would be our first real advert. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I never really told anyone. I don't know where people knew that I was starting, I guess word of mouth. And people were calling me, I heard you're starting a school. And uh, that's when Rabbi Smith came on board and we made a plan, how it's going to be. You know, like for instance, the girls would want to do um, the halachot of cooking. So we would do, uh, we had a kitchen in our original house. We don't have it now, but we would do like um, how to check lettuce. And you would check the lettuce and make a salad and then you would learn halacha and you would make the salad and the bracha on the salad. So you're learning through doing and also learning skills. I mean, that's a really rough example right. of what, what we came up with. And then, of course, you know, the other schools in general um, are just schools. So um, we always like say we're more than just a school because we have like, besides the art, um, besides the regular program, we have art we have dance, we have, um, we offer them um, like these, this outlet to get these, like their talents out. And then of course we, we take care of them like um, on the emotional side. Yeah, that's a very, that's the, that's the real secret is, uh, is love really. I mean, it sounds so simple, but, and it is. But that's really what makes the school special. It's simple, not easy. It takes a lot of time and yeah. attention and care. Yes, it does. It does. But what's interesting is I always tell the teachers in the school, like, I don't know how such incredible people all landed up in one building. How, like, and how it's just miraculous, honestly. And I say again and again, God runs the school because um, also the teachers, they came to me also out of nowhere. And these are people that are like, humble and beautiful and loving and they're there for the girls 100 percent. like they worry about them at night you know they don't have to and they do it like in a real way not like they're not trying to represent something they're not like trying to be they're not trying to show off their skills they're literally just doing an amazing job like, how do you measure success how do you know you're doing a good job um our students um, they tell us <laughs> all the time. Uh, a lot of them thank us for the school. Um, I have piles of notes. Um, the school saved my life. Uh, I love you. Thank you. One girl told me today, you know, during camp, I missed you. I miss my parents too, but I really miss Mrs. B. <laughs> so they call me Mrs. B. Um, they thank us for the school a lot. Um, they talk about it. They stay in touch. They visit. Um, they um, they call me from all over the world. Um, one of my teachers now I found through a former student. Um, and um, in fact, what's interesting, one of the girls I said to her, you know, you call me more now than when you were in school. And she said, because the older I get, the more I appreciate what happened in your terror. You know, the first year, it's like, okay, if five people, 10 people came to the school. Then the second year, it was like 20. And it grew and grew. Um, but, and of course people call me from 
all over the world. We have students from numerous places, but mostly Florida. Um, but I think the biggest success is that the kids are happy. Um, they grow in their confidence and they treat each other well. And, well, you know, they have conflicts. But when they have conflicts, like we, we teach them even to resolve conflicts in a like, nice way. You know, people fight. Everybody fights. Um, and we help them to get along if they're not getting along. And, I mean, they, they are our success. They really are. Definitely, without a doubt. Very, very, very big. You know, Nachas. <laughs> That's like, we're very proud of them. You said earlier that um, you don't know how so many amazing people ended up in one building. And I got yeah. the sense that you weren't exaggerating that you... I'm not. I'm not. So, yeah. uh, so what do you... What do you think about that? How did, how did that happen? Um, you know, I don't advertise for teachers when I need either. They, they do somehow. I like, well, you know, I say God runs the school. He really does. People find me. I don't know how. I, I, um, okay, I'll think back to the very beginning. Um, our first two teachers told me, I heard you starting a school, <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, come to the meeting, you know? And, um, they were just people who, I guess they, they care about kids. They want to do something special. Um, most of them have either called me first or <laughs> we do have a joke in the school that sometimes a person will call to teach and say, I, I don't know if I can do it. Like, you know, I don't know. And then that like kind of humility or that, you know, not doubt because they don't doubt themselves and I always say no you can do it like they joke about me like because yeah. <laughs> I say to them you can do it and they land up being the most amazing teachers because a person who comes to me with like a thick resume oh I'm the best teacher in the whole world like that's not that's not what we're looking for and then that's how we get the highest quality people because they really are they're genuine like I don't know I don't know how to even it's overwhelming. A, a teacher once um, was having trouble with a student and um, she was telling me, I'm having trouble with this girl. I'm going to try this with her. I'm going to try that with her. She did this. She did that. What should we do? What should we do? And we agonize over each girl, what we should do. One day she came to me after two, three days of talking about it. She came to me and she said to me, it's not her. It's me. I am going to work on myself and you're going to see a change in her. And we did. And I mean, I don't know. That's, quality people they yeah. love they love the girls they love the school they love the mission so yeah it comes through in, in talking to you sometimes um someone can feel burnt out after uh after doing this you don't feel burnt out no no i don't i i do get tired <laughs> it's a lot of hours um but i think that you know when you're on a mission and you know i was i was listening to something earlier um the Rebbe, uh, talk by the Rebbe, and he said, um, he said, everyone's given a gift, and everyone's given talents, and you're, you're given a talent, you're given a talent, and they're totally different talents. And when you use it, that's when you succeed, because you're using your gift that God gave you, and you're doing your mission. And if you, um, you know the story of Zosha of Anipali? Where Which he story? Said, he said, um, he doesn't ever want to be asked why he wasn't like Moshe yes. Rabbeinu. He wants to be asked like why he wasn't himself. It's Reb Zusha. So I think 
that when you're doing what you believe in, um, you just never, it doesn't feel like work. You know what I mean? It just feels like you just get up and you just keep, you just do it because it's, and also when you, when you see children like blossoming, I can't explain. It's just, I don't know. It gives you back. You know what I mean? It just makes you want to, want to be a better person, want to be better at it, have more patience, you know, not logically i don't think that but it inspires you in that way yeah definitely yeah what um so you you started the school you were inspired by your daughter having a problem finding a a school yes are are a lot of the girls ones who don't fit into the typical school um um i would say Meaning, is that the purpose here, that they often won't find a home in a typical environment? Yes and no. Um, The the school attracts very spiritual, very real girls, very authentic. I think that's the best way I can describe them. Um, Very loving. Some have been bullied, like really hurt or, you know, things like that. But who's going to be bullied? A sensitive person. Mm -hmm. You know, a person who is a bully isn't going to get bullied so we kind of attract a sensitive crowd but it's not like oh they were bullied you know oh those like it's these incredible girls and a lot of them are talented it's an art school don't forget i mean the the drawings and the things they come up with is incredible and um also like we have a we have a a belief and we always tell the girls like don't be afraid to innovate you know so um, we don't give them like these massive science projects to build robots, not like that kind of innovate, <laughs> but like if they have ideas and they want to do stuff, they should come to us. So for instance, um, last year the girls came and said, we want to do a podcast and we said, okay, we don't know anything about podcasts. Uh, well, we should have called you, but, <laughs> um, we didn't know anything about I podcasts. I don't know anything either, but Tyler does. <laughs> okay. So. We should have called Tyler. <laughs> Um, we bought some microphones, we got a couple guests and they did a really good job, you know, and now we're going to carry that on. We did, um, so you guys um, launched a podcast. Yeah. It's called Hashem Exposed. It's got like five podcasts and now we're just starting a new year. So we haven't even, cool. um, but the girls did it themselves. They wrote down questions, they prepared. It was really something special, but like, you know, imagine they'd said, we want to do a podcast and we said, why or no or focus on your studies you know this is studying this is learning and growing you know um we do also like we do cool projects we make a comedy series in the school um and the girls have like um every year we film two episodes it's called the school you know the show the office yeah (laughs) so it's a spoof on the office it's called the school very funny, uh, like a funny day in school and they have these weird interviews and um, the girls write stuff. I mean, some of their lines are funnier than <laughs> brilliant. They're brilliant girls and they're getting a chance to like do that, you know. They're learning how to make um, films. Um, uh, they learn a little bit about lighting. About um, what? Lighting, you know, like setting up a room. You know, the girls that are interested in that right. will go and hang out and look how he sets up the lights. Um some of the girls work a little bit on sounds. Everyone gets involved in some small way. Um, um, we just, we do like, we're open to suggestion. Let's put it that way. And the girls know. 
And if they come to us with something, we try to support that and give them the tools to do it, you know? That's neat. Yeah, it's cool. How do you um, balance that with the Jewish studies? Um, I would say, uh, well, our day in general has a regular curriculum. I mean, you know, they, if they want to go to <laughs> seminary or university after school, they, they need paperwork and they need grades. Um, and we do have a full curriculum, but our, our day includes arts and art, dance, music, things like that. Um, like if we do a production, we did a production last year, um, we do it in a higher level. Like it's they, the girls learn real choreography, not just like go do a quick production and get it over with. It's like, it's art, you know? Um, but we set aside times during the day for that. Um, so we start at nine, um, which is also a little bit original, I think. Um, I read some way that teenagers stay up all night. I mean, it's true. I did. I don't know about <laughs> you. Um, so we try to make them not like rush out of the door and rush to school at like 7.38. They come in at 9. They've had a little bit more sleep. They're a bit more relaxed. Uh, sometimes they get to have breakfast even on the way out the door. Um, and then from 9 till 2, we have a completely regular schedule. So we have like... Um, Chumash, Halacha, Parasha, Hasidus. It's a Chabad school, right? Yes. It's a, it's an everything school. We But a lot of Chabad families. Yes. Chabad, Svardi, Ashkenaz. Oh, we cool. have also Chabad teachers, Svardi teachers, Ashkenazi teachers. Oh, we love everyone. <laughs> we accept all the Tzedekim. <laughs> but we're predominantly Chabad. Rabbi Smith is Chabad. He's like the, the brain behind the... You know, he's the spiritual brain, I would say. Um, he, we go to him for our advice all the time. Um, and he is Chabad, and we have Hasidus as a subject. He's Chabad plus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Meaning he's not That's Chabad. A good one. Yeah, he's not, he's not Chabad to the exclusion yes. of everything else. He's also Chabad. Chabad. He's Chabad <laughs> 2.0, actually, probably. Um, I actually really like that Chabad plus. So we're the same, you know. I mean, Rabbi Smith knows about all the tzaddikim. If you ask him about any, mm-hmm. from any... Um, and I think he knows we a lot also, about a lot of things. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and and really like, you know, we 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 go by, you know, we go pretty much by everybody. I mean, obviously you have to have one real derech, and that is Chabad. Obviously, um, um, I'm personally Chabad um, and Sephardic. My husband's Sephardi, um, but yeah, that's that's um, the main um, spiritual direction of the school if you want to call it that so for you you feel like this school this is um an expression of your purpose (laughs) you know i just feel yeah it is it's a purpose i I don't think about it consciously but if you you know saying it like that it does sound true um it really just happened i can't i can't explain enough how many things just came to fall into place to make the school happen. Um, it wasn't a conscious purpose, but it is a pur- it's definitely a mission and a purpose. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Right. Uh, someone once told me that um, something to the effect of God works better when we think less, meaning so a lot of conscious purposes. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> it's it. a little better if it just kind of happens without us thinking too much. It's true. It's true. I also, I didn't... Prepare. Thinking is very dangerous. yeah. Over-preparing for things can make you hyperventilate, you know what I mean? You just, I agree. I think that's a very, very true statement. I like it. 
and it also lets God in, you know. Um, I think that it lets, it really lets in, um, you know, you you have to do your part, like you have to make an effort, you have to work, and that's something that we're also really trying to focus on, you know, this generation. By the way, I'm, I'm totally sidetracking over here, but we do try to focus on getting the girls to like, you know, enjoy the process of working on something and creating something like a project. They'll, we do a lot of project-based learning um, and to enjoy the process and work hard at something and then achieve, you know? What did you mean when you said this generation? I'm saying like this generation, there's like iPads. There's so many distractions to stop kids from achieving their potential, you know? And I, I feel like, Every human being yeah, there's a lot is, of pitfalls. Yes, it is. And every yeah. human being is so full of potential. You know, if, if, you know, like a kid who tries to get out of doing something, they try so hard to get out of doing something that you're like, if you would try so hard to do it, you would be the best at it. Right, if that effort went into. Yes. So this generation, it's worse because there's iPads and phones and Snapchat and I don't know, I mean, not bashing any apps. Um, they're also beautiful and used well. I mean, it's, you know, we're living in an incredible generation full of possibility, but, you know, using it to just look at a phone, you know, it's very, um, you can't blame a kid for just doing that all day. And you can't even like blame parents. They're busy, they're working, you know, and then the kids are like, on the, you don't even realize how many hours a day are just being wasted. You know, I don't know what you did when I was a kid. I played outside a lot. You know, I did a lot of like art and things like that. And, you know, this is something also that we're trying to combat, like um, by giving them projects like to work on at home, not just go home and like do this homework that's so boring that you're going to forget tomorrow. And like the styles of learning are also a little different, you know, instead of cramming, cramming, cramming information that you're going to forget. I don't remember a lot of stuff that I learned at school and I went to a wonderful school. Um, but I think when you like make something, um, like let's say they made a Mishkan last year for Chumash instead of their final being um, like a, you know, a written, a written test. test. Uh, then they made something very cool. I, I'm in love with this one. Uh, the teacher did for Halacha um, um, a brochure on when Mashiach comes. So, welcome to Israel. Here's your brochure. <laughs> and you take the brochure and you look at it and it's got all the Halachas of what's going to be when Mashiach comes. So, it was very Halacha final. And it's, it's like, almost makes you feel like Mashiach's here and you're standing in Jerusalem and you're taking a brochure off the shelf, you know? Um, I don't know. They do very cool things. The teachers are oh, right. I guess what you're saying amazing. is is that if the you know everything is kind of education, right? Even entertainment is a form of edu someone is trying to educate someone else, and they just do it through a movie. Yes. So what you're saying is that if um, if the if what you're competing against is you know iPads and very engaging type of education then you kind of have to up level yeah what we're offering yeah this generation needs more and this school is more i mean that's like our 
that is what we say all the time. That's why it's so cool we're here in search of more. <laughs> At school, we like I, I I was telling you earlier. It's true. We 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 give them more than just a. It's more than just a school because they don't just come to learn. Um, repeat, write it down in a test and forget. They come to absorb and grow and. We also have like our Tefillah project was done with art. You can do a dance. You could like say a poem about, you can do a drawing. You can do any form of expression for your, you know, that's unlimited. And then when a girl does it, she internalizes it more. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different system. I don't know how to explain it. And it also came like organically. It's also, again, like I told you, I didn't have like a five-year plan. It just kind of happened. We attracted like-minded people. I don't know. We all belong together somehow in the school family. And um, we work together. Also, I want to say something very amazing. I was talking to one of the women that I work with. And I was saying something is so special in our school. Like we say it all the time. But um, I said, like, there's something like, what, how? Like, how are all these women here? And they're so great. And they're so amazing. And, you know, she said, because nobody here is walking in with an ego. Everybody is coming with a purpose. They want to make the world a better place. And how do you do that? You're ensuring a future by taking care of a kid. You know, um, these children are going to grow up to be the adults of the future. And they're going to be getting a safe, loving, warm experience um, that makes them develop. You know, we have classes on that help them with self-esteem, you know. I wanted to ask you about that in terms of the um, mental health and addressing that because it's no secret that um, many young people, and I think probably females more than males, but males as well, are experiencing um, more challenges in that arena probably than at any point in time in recent history. Yes, especially since COVID, by the way. Yeah, definitely exacerbated a lot or brought a lot to the surface somehow. It exposed a lot. Something. Right. Something seems to have shifted around the conversation around um, mental health around COVID time. Yes. Either it brought things out it or it made out. people more comfortable. In one way or another. It made both. people more yeah. aware that it was needed, yeah. Yeah. Both. You're right. It's both. Yeah. It, maybe it created something or maybe it created certain challenges or brought out what was already there. Right. But it definitely shifted a lot in this conversation. So how do you address... How do you address that? How do you work to ensure um, that those needs are met? Well, we do have a school therapist um, who is available for literally any conflict, any girl who needs to talk. If so works some, full time for the school? Um, yes. Well, okay. she comes twice a week. Um, okay. And um, she um, is a, she's available for literal like slots. If a girl needs to come and talk to a therapist, she's available for that. And, you know, sometimes if a girl um, is talking about her mental health or her emotions or something that she's been through, it can be hard for her to do it at school because um, it brings things to the surface right. and then they're extra sensitive or they can't focus on work during the day. Um, then we um, try to find them a therapist. We have a very big focus on if somebody needs therapy that we find them the best even if they cannot afford it we make sure that we get funding we try everything we can that the girls will be able to see a therapist and we have you know a, 
we have families that don't have the ability to take their kids to the therapist because the parents are traumatized too, you know, or whatever they're going through. And, um, you know, we make sure that it happens. Um, I have, <laughs> we drive girls to therapy. We Uber them to therapy if necessary. Um, we pay for their therapy if necessary. Um, because, you know, your body is controlled by your mind. <laughs> And um, you have to really take care of that. Um, I think that's really where the soul resides, isn't it, in the brain? Where the what? The soul resides in the brain. I think according to Judaism, the soul resides in the blood. Oh, really? I think so. Wow. I always thought it was the brain. What? But that, I mean, that makes sense, actually. I think, I, I think it definitely in the Torah it says something about like dam and nefesh. I, I don't okay. have it exactly. I don't okay. know if it means it literally. I, I don't right. know how it's... Well, it makes sense. Maybe the part of, wait, I know there's like different parts of the soul. So maybe that's like the one part of the soul is in the brain, one is in the blood, but it makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, may, it keeps you alive. That's what's like your heart's pumping. I right. Guess. The life force is coming right. from the blood. I, I, right. I don't know, but that's what I've, I don't think that's traditionally um, the way it's thought of, but right. in the Torah that says something like that, I wonder. I wonder. I have to ask. Maybe we can ask Rabbi Smith. Yeah, let's ask that question. Him. I think that's a good uh, idea. <laughs> whether that's translated literally and understood, right? Literally, as the soul residing in the I want to know. I'm, I I feel like I I heard it, but I just I can't place the information. But uh, you know, as, the, you, the, as I think about it, it kind of makes sense because the body can live without a lot of different things. Right. A lot of different parts can survive yeah. without it. Yeah. But. Not blood, like yeah. blood needs blood yeah. in that region in order to. Yeah. And the head also, it also makes sense, I guess. But I'm saying like the heart, the heart which pumps the blood, and the and the brain. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, Chabad and Breslev, right? Breslev's the, the heart. The brain Chabad's sometimes the brain. goes offline, and people are somewhat alive. People right. are somewhat alive. You're right. So are parts of the brain that seems the you know. Right, you're right. The right side is damaged. That's There's true. Different elements of it. But I mean, look, going back to mental health, if if you're taking care of the brain, the brain controls the body. Right. The body's doing good. And the that also obviously is the emotions, you know, the your feelings, like even just regulating your feelings, learning to regulate your feelings, the simplest things in therapy. Therapy is something people used to be so scared of, but it's right, not anymore. What's interesting is how um like kind of the zeitgeist in therapy right now is moving away, not moving away, but um, in addition to the talk aspects of therapy, also incorporating, also incorporating a lot of somatic type therapies, whether it's incorporating dance, um, movement, yeah. breath work, uh, a, a lot of different things to bring the body into the healing process as well. And that in conjunction with therapy, with kind of talk therapy seems to be the most um, effective. Do you know, yes. um, I'm sure you know him, Michal Muchnik, the, um, yes. the artist. Yeah, I exhibited with him once. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had an exhibition in Florida a few years ago. He's amazing. Yeah, so he was here not long ago. Yeah. And uh, he and I spoke about uh, something he's developing, developed. He calls it somatic art. Okay. And after we spoke about it and he described it, I said to him during our discussion that it sounds like something cool for my wife and I to, to do. 
and um, we ended up doing it. He was we were in New York for the summer, and he came out one evening, and he used a lot of different um, techniques. Some very basic and rudimentary, you know, a, a pencil on a paper to stimulate conversation around emotions and challenges. He had a, another one, uh, which was very helpful for me, where he had a clay. I don't know if he made it or what he did, where there was a hard shell on the outside. And when you crack the hard shell open, then there's softer clay on the inside that can be manipulated and played with. So we, he had us uh, imagine a challenge and then... While we're imagining the challenge, then breaking away the hard shell around it and then working working nice. with it. It was neat. And um, the process of – it's funny because when I was working with him, I said that I think it kind of comes in very under the radar, you know, right. where we're not having a whole therapy class or right. st stuff like that. It's just, hey, you know, let's do this art thing, but – I'm going to, to he, he's, he starts introducing different topics and thoughts. So you're not just playing with a piece of clay. Right. You're, the way he, the way he introduced it was more um, manipulating something that felt so stuck before. Right. So here it is, this very stuck thing. And can we crack around that shell? And he'll use the Hasidic language around klipas and, you know, a shell, can we get past that outer shell and get to That's the core cool. of it and then start manipulating it and changing it and modifying it and seeing it in a different light and now incorporating some other colors into it, just different, you know, that different things so into cool. it. And I found that um, really neat I, in terms of, especially in terms of, I, I thought it would work really well for teenagers, like a very yes. um, non-abrasive way of introducing these concepts and it's incredibly engaging incredibly very you know my wife and I were equally engaged in the process um he ended up staying overnight the next morning um my kids were all playing with the same the same stuff That's and laying so out cool. the same things obviously he wasn't talking about the same things but you know the fact that he ended up engaging young kids and my children are very young 5 4 and 3 and them being very engaged in the process and the night before my wife and I being very engaged. I thought that was, wow. uh, that is neat. very cool. And it's yeah. funny that you say it because, um, I think you're a hundred percent right because, um, during COVID we had a lady who came, she's an art therapist and she said, I want to do some stuff in your school. Like while I'm here, let me hang out at the school. And she came, I think once a week and she would do art therapy with him. And one of her favorite things was clay. They would work with the clay and she would say like, you know, make this emotional. I don't know what exactly she did. I wasn't in the class, but she said when they're working with their hands, there's something that happens. I don't know. You explained it very well, actually, like it's this hard thing and you, um, but she did it only for like two months and then the borders opened and she went back to Israel. And uh, I think you're right. We should bring that back. It's a very good idea. I mean, like in a, you know, with a, yeah. an author, we haven't done that for a while. It was incredible. They missed, they loved her. They loved the class. It's really, I don't know if it's your hands and your head, like working together or your, and your feelings. Yeah, I wonder what it is, but it, it would have been much different. It, it's, if he was just talking about those things, 
it would have been very conceptual right. and having it with clay and something that we're touching the ideas suddenly feel <clears throat> very tangible and it's right. also very engaging it's it's hard to yeah. get lost um in something else right someone can uh. be guiding a meditation you can think right. about what you're eating for breakfast the next morning but here you're you're fully engaged on multiple senses uh. with it so you're hearing him you're doing it it's bringing things up um that's very cool he's a great person actually he's a so, really great guy yeah and an awesome artist he brought out some he's cool br stuff brilliant talented very 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 amazing i mean i love his ceramic work as well you know he does all the um not like the stones like oh yeah yeah <sighs> yeah that was right that was some of what he after we had the clay then he had a lot of different stuff that we worked but with he's as well amazing he really is cool and the symbols and explaining it was neat very uh very neat yeah and teenagers that you're right it worked well with them see there's always more that you can do that's what's so exciting it's not like oh you wake up and you go to school and like it's just Every day is like boring and the same, you know. I mean, they are the same. There's a lot of like schedule and like Seder Yom, I guess, or I don't know what the word is, I guess. There's, um, um, you know, you get up, you go to school, you have a schedule. That's the word, schedule. <laughs> um, but there's always room for like new things to do with the girls. I love that. I really... Um, and they love it, you know, they love to try new stuff, you know. You know what the best part about working with teenagers is, by the way, I, it's so funny. Teenagers are so cute. They're so cute. People think that they're like, I don't know, you know, people always make these ridiculous Comments about teenagers that are difficult to with. They are adorable. First of all, a baby is born and they are like, it's like they're adore like there's no such thing as a, a non-cute baby okay and then they become a toddler and they're just so cute you just want to like you know hug and kiss them all day and they carry on through um preschool and they're so 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 cute and then what happens between elementary school and first grade why are they suddenly not cute in trouble sitting at a desk getting into detention why what happened yesterday in may when they were in kindergarten they were still cute <laughs> And in September, in first grade, they come in and they're like, sit there, behave, you know. I told one of my kids when she was going into first grade, um, you know, there's no dollies. And in, in, in first grade, she was like, oh, no, how can I go to first grade? She was terrified. But um, what happens is that people get into this mindset that teenagers are not cute. But when? Like, so first grade, they're still cute. Fifth grade, they're still cute. In fact, people essentially are good and they want to be good. You know, when someone does something good, you know, that you feel good and you tell someone like, I did this amazing thing. I feel good. You want to share it with somebody because you feel good when you do something mm -hmm. good, right? But teenagers are put into this like, oh, teenagers, you know, they're just, ugh. they are amazing. They're adorable. They're full of ideas. They are full of gratitude and they are so, I mean, they're sometimes they're too aware because that's what makes them more sensitive sometimes and whatever. And, you know, teenagers can be insecure because of it, but they're just so cute. I, I, I don't know if there's like a better word. They, they give back the love that we give. Like it's, 
it's a two-way street. It's not just, oh, the teachers are amazing, you know, and the girls are like, the girls are amazing. And they're teenagers. Um, and they're still cute. I don't know. I, I like the comments, the, the, the projects, the things they think of, the way that they um, are good to each other and take care of each other and are respectful. They are so respectful. I mean, the other day we had, actually, you know, Hamadina has been doing a culinary class this year in our school, like like health food and like um, she came Robert to Robert Smith's wife. And Hamadina yeah. Smith. And uh, she came to the school and the air conditioning wasn't working in the one room. And um, she left and she said to me, I have to say, like, I couldn't believe not one girl bashed the school or said anything bad. They just were like, oh, it's really hot. That was the all, that was the worst comment that they made. She said they were just so happy and like happy to be there and happy to be learning something and being like, you know, it's just, it's positive. The energy is positive, you know, it's not like, yeah, it really is. And I think in a way, you know, obviously when you see that in a person, they're going to want to do that more if you think about it technically. But if you do it in a fake way, they'll know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know right. who they know who's real kids. They can see right through. And um, I think that they just also we have like our our premises are shared premises because you know we're small and new and everything, and we have to like move the girls up at two o'clock to the other side of the building where they do some classes that are regular and some classes that are like art and dance and. They never complain. They have to walk up and down, sometimes in the rain and the heat. They never complain. They appreciate their day. They come home. They miss school in the summer. By the way, I'm not making this up. Girls text me when school's starting. I'm missing yeah. school, literally. Um, my own kids were in the school. Um, their friends, um, they miss it when they're not there um, because I guess they feel that it's genuine, you know? Um, I, could, I could really go on like this this could be a rabbit hole. I could keep talking about this for about <laughs> but, an hour so you could stop me. Yes, let me pull you out for a little bit because one of my theories is that our story kinds of leads into our, our story kind of leads into our life purpose. Yes. That oftentimes we can go there specifically these struggles in our story. And yes. I mean you can kind of see it in your own where the struggle with your daughter and getting her into um, a school kind of led to you. Does your yes. daughter recognize that? Does she she helped me. Uh, she will not take any credit for it, but she would. We would have meetings, and she would like call the girls over. Do you want to study like DJing? You know, we put them at a table, going like, what kind of subjects do you want to study? And she would like make lists with the girls. Let's do DJing. Let's do um, hip hop. Um, hip hop, we did do, and we still do. <laughs> um, let's do whatever. We did aerial silks one year when we were in the ninja. You did what? Aerial silks one year. You know, you know the silks that you like wrap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we never did DJing. That's one we haven't done yet. But what was very cool about her in particular um, is she she um, would. I would say to her, I need you to come to school tomorrow. There's a new girl starting. I want her to feel comfortable. Like, you know, because a new girl comes in, 
she's like everybody knows each other you know even if it's only 10 especially if it's only 10 girls like right you know and i would say you have to you have to come to school like because she would say i have to go here or i have to go there or and i would and she would say okay i've got to i've got to do this and she would come and do it or i would say help me with this and i would hear her on the phone i've got to help my mom with something but when i tell her you know we started the school together she's like eh you know but yeah. she did she really doesn't take any credit for it but she um is a very warm and friendly person and i think she made a lot of the girls feel comfortable as well in the beginning and um she also <laughs> you know i I told you I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning or like you know do we ever really know what we're doing you know I often just say like god I have to talk to this girl like give me the right words you know and it's not like you know we just like what we were saying before you like get the do, mind out of the way yeah get right. your brain out of the way um I lost my train of thought um um, You're talking sometimes sitting with a girl and knowing what to say or not knowing what to say. Yeah, no, but I was going. I was making a point before, and I forgot. Um, about your daughter not starting the school. Yeah, not taking credit for starting the school. She didn't. I don't know how. I like totally like blanked. That's um, okay. There can be meaning in that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, my daughter. Um, uh, she was very friendly. Okay. Yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. It's bothering me. It. I'll think of it later. I'll think of it like probably at 2 a.m. Maybe some things are not meant to be said. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, I think that um, the way that it, the way that it happened, being natural. Uh, oh, I remember what I want to say. The um, because I wasn't like planning to start a school and you know make you know curriculums and whatever. <laughs> I um, would second guess myself a lot in the beginning and someone you know watched me like put the school together and ma called me up and said you know you've done a great job you've gotten the kids together you you know 12 o'clock at night I made like a registration form you know I, you've put this whole thing together um, but you know I have experience in schools you know I'll I could take over and you can you know I could take it over for you, like, no oh. problem. I'll run it for you, basically. So I came home and I said to my daughter, um, you know, someone made me this offer, like, to, you know, take all the work and, like, you know, do the whole thing. And she said, Mom, no, they don't understand. They don't understand what we're doing here. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, they'll take it and they'll make it like every other school in the whole entire world. And that cannot happen. And it was like, I mean kind of in a way a defining moment because I guess maybe because I'm an artist like I think a little differently than other people maybe because I also I was bullied at school I went through my own things that make me more sensitive to certain things but my brain and my my um, outlook was already different and and hers also and what she was trying to leave even though we were looking for a school, but she was looking for and kind of we were trying to create subconsciously, I guess, is something new, something special. Something different, something, something that doesn't something, exist. Yes. And she said to me, literally, I promise you, you give it over, two months, regular school. And I was like, okay, okay, no, you're right, you're is right. Is your daughter involved with the school now? 
a little bit, you know, she helps me with, um, I mean, you know, like I, I get advice from all my kids. <laughs> I bounce things off them a lot. Um, you know, they're, they know teens better than me. Okay. Um, she does like a lot of stuff in the background, I would say, but not actively. No, she doesn't work at the school. Um, she did a lot of, um, work with um, Khala Aflan and Friendship Circle and she did a lot of volunteering and she wanted to actually do um, behavior therapy but I think she's she's right now like school and then seminary and then you know studying this course and that course and I think she's just chilling a little bit now and like <laughs> trying to figure out what she wants to do but she definitely was like a huge part of starting it you know and a refer yeah, so the, the question I was asking earlier is that one of the theories I operate with is that in our struggles, we often can find our purpose if we kind of work yes. work through it. And that um, certainly seemed to be the case with the struggle of finding your daughter a school or not being able to find a school for her. And right. then in that, the school gets, gets created, which is, um, which is neat. It's a neat story. It's also very close together, meaning... You're struggling, and then immediately that turns into the yeah. like the problem and solution are very closely related. But I was wondering if, considering that this is your purpose and you're finding your purpose in this, do you find aspects of your own personal journey, different um, struggles related to that, that have led to the formation of the school? Yes, definitely. Um, I was not, um, you know, an average kid in a religious school, I would say. Um, I um, was pretty um, interested in thinking for myself. <laughs> I guess that's also, I get teenagers because I remember being a teenager. I haven't like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm better than that part of myself because I'm not. I'm, that is me and it's part of me. Um, and um, I think that like, because I struggled a lot at school, um, I struggled with, traditional roles and um I had a lot of questions and there are a lot of crazy things in my life um and I think that that is part of what makes me not judge the girls also like because I did things that I'm not super proud of now that I'm like matured <laughs> um and um I think like to judge a person is such an ugly thing, you know, and, and people do, we judge, obviously, you know, it's human and we, we try to stop ourselves. And, but it, as a rule, I think that because I did crazy things, it led me to be less judgmental, which helps me a lot in the school. Um, it happens to be also that the teachers that I work with are the same. We're not a judgmental type. We're not looking for the kids to fail. We're looking for them to succeed. So we're not looking right. for their faults. We're looking for their strengths. Um, but also just knowing that it's like, you know, it's not like being a teenager is a transitional period. You know, it's hard. Um, and they need extra love, not less. You know, like, again, going back to what we said before. And I think... I had a wonderful school, beautiful teachers, beautiful people, like, but that was missing because it's missing from schools in general. And I think that if I had had that, I wouldn't have rebelled so bad. 
I wouldn't have done so many crazy things, which a lot of them were very cool and I'm happy I did them. <laughs> Most of them were cool and I'm happy I did them. Um, but it also keeps me with an open you mind. You grew up now. a lot? So I grew up from a totally irreligious home to a very religious home. And from, like, I guess it, it wasn't overnight and it seemed like overnight. Um, I'm suddenly in a Jewish school um, and I'm not allowed to do this and I'm not allowed to do that. I remember, like, not being allowed to go to ballet on a Saturday, like, suddenly, like, why not, you know? So I had questions from six years old, I guess. And then, you know, when the rules come in as a teenager, there was a lot of... Um, you know, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And, um, a lot of heaviness associated a, with it. Yeah, and I was very resistant, you know. And again, great people. Like you have a conversation with one of them, beautiful, beautiful people, literally believing in what they're doing and and probably helping a lot of people. But I wasn't one of them, you know. I, 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 I was always like, you know, um, second guessing things i wanted i guess i needed to find but that's actually I'm, a neat part of your story it answers the question well because you right not not many people will have that experience of at a young age going from religious from not religious to religious kind of very quickly yeah and that gave you permission to ask questions that had you not gone through that the questions never would have been Ask, it just would have been what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, you know, six-year-olds don't question stuff. Not if you I saw did. it at five and four and three and <laughs> but, two. Right? But right. I'm thinking if... So it really was like becoming... It's like I'm a Baltashova. Technically, I became religious as an adult. But I am also became religious when I was a kid. So I'm like twice Baltashova. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it's much more meaningful when you find it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like... So someone shared with shared this with me. I'll share it with you. He said, Baal Shuva is the words, right? It means the master of return. So normally we think of that as um, someone wasn't religious and then they became religious. So they were Baal Shuva one time. But no one masters something doing it one time. So Baal Shuva is someone who mastered the art of failing and returning, failing and returning, I love failing and returning. That is brilliant. That is cool. I love that. Yeah, well, it's true because, you know, here we are. It's almost Rosh Hashanah. You know, we're like it's starting a new year. I haven't had one day to like do Teshuvah this whole month. I've been busy for <laughs> the beginning of the school year. Very, very busy. But um, every year you look back at the year, you know, when you do have that time to look at yourself what did I do how can I improve um and you take that kind of time you know you realize that you are constantly growing you know and if you really are true with yourself we're messing up all the time we're human beings it's part of getting better at something and it's part of becoming a better person if you're really doing it properly you know we we hope we are and if we slip again you know you can't beat yourself up about it because <laughs> Then you're going to be a a master of uh, <laughs> a master of complaining. A master know. of beating yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, you know, you mess up. We're human. I think that's part of, you know, what makes us human. We have 
the... you know, it's, I I grew up very from, and then for a while I wasn't at all, and now over the last few years have become I want to say have um, become much closer to Judaism. Right, the yarmulke right. I'm wearing for several years, and a couple years ago I put my phone away on Shabbos. A couple months ago I stopped drinking non-kosher wine. Right, so it's been a continuous um, kind of progression with it. And I'm thinking when I when I grew when I was in yeshiva, so they about kosher about kosher to me it was taught everything is kind of the same. Right. And the day I ate a non-chalav Yisrael chocolate bar, it really made no difference to me to eat pork. There was no, it wasn't a, um, like, a, I don't know how to, there was no difference. One right. one was the other. To actually order pork is a different level of comfort, but I'm saying the idea was the same to me. Right. And eventually, I, you know, it, I, I wasn't, I wasn't careful with any of it as as I've been going through it, I'm doing the reverse thing. Meaning as I'm coming closer, I'm doing the reverse. I don't think of it as, am I keeping Shabbos or not keeping Shabbos? Or am I keeping kosher or not keeping kosher? There's tons and tons of rules. I think about kosher as a thing, Shabbos as a thing, um, Taras Meshpach as a thing, and then can we do something for that? Right. So like if I tried to go from not keeping Shabbos at all to the level of Shabbos I, I keep today... It, it would have been just this massive jump that if I would have taken on, would have felt like a ton of energy to get there that can very quickly, um, you know, unwind. Yeah. Versus I, some point I said, okay, I'm going to stop working on Shabbos. That's all. I, can, I, can I stop doing that? And then it was, can I stop driving on Shabbos? And it was, can I put my phone away on Shabbos? And can we mm-hmm. do Shabbos meals? And what can we do for Shabbos versus am I keeping Shabbos or not keeping Shabbos? So kosher is this thing and I don't, keep all of it, but I stopped drinking non-kosher wine recently. Can we do that for Shabbos? And I know my, my wife has done certain things with mikvah recently that, okay, we're doing this. Not Here's all the rules and let me make sure yeah. to, can we can we add this one? And then eventually what I found is that um, as I appreciate it more, the as I, like Shabbos becomes something that I appreciate, then if everything I'm doing for it is kind of stuff I've did, d- done for a long time, it feels almost like I haven't bought my wife a gift in two years. Like, what am I? What am I doing? Let me find some way to add because it feels stale if I'm not adding something yeah. to it. And I, you know, I don't. I'm not sharing this as truth or, or not. Um, there are certain concepts that I've seen, you know, that um, support this. A story I heard from Rabbi Shays Taub, where someone told. Um, someone's child was becoming very religious and putting a lot of pressure on his parents. And the parents went to the Rebbe and said, like, is this what you teach? Like, this guy's driving me crazy. He's coming <laughs> to my house and, you know, kosher, Shabbos, all of these things. And the Rebbe told him, um, he said, the way Shay said the story, he said, um, my way is to, he said, take on a mitzvah, that, take on one thing that you're not comfortable with today. And then his understanding, that the the individual's understanding of that was, and then keep doing that. Meaning, once it gets comfortable, then take on something else that's not comfortable. Right. Then take on something else that's not comfortable. And apparently, a, a regular refrain in the Reb, in the Rebbe's writings was a, quoting a line of Ma'at Ma'at Hergeshenu, where we drive out the evil slowly. We don't, you know, don't do it yeah. all in one fell swoop, but slowly, slowly, slowly yeah. over time, we overcome it. Versus yeah. this massive, um, this massive change. And I'm thinking that, and so there, while there is some support for it, I'm not sharing it as a, 
necessarily yeah. the truth, but I found it helpful for me is and counteracting that idea, which I probably left religion a lot faster than I would have otherwise if I didn't think that eating kalvishal is the same thing as eating pork, that it's all right. it's all one and the same thing. And some things are not, there's it and the ideal, but now I feel like I can do something for it. I can do something to, remember someone suggested, someone I'm close to said, it was a number of years ago before I was doing much for Shabbos. And she said, Ellie, I think you should add a little bit for Shabbos. I said, I'm already doing so much. I don't like to take on more. I said, I think it would be nice. So I said, okay, what do you recommend? She said, maybe take a shower before Shabbos. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a shower. Okay, an hour before. Like, that's that's something I can do. Yeah, change your clothes and take a shower. And to me, I think that's a really neat concept yeah, that we can cool. do something and honor it without all of it. I didn't have to think of myself as someone who's desecrating Shabbos. I thought of myself as someone who's honoring yeah. Shabbos and doing a little bit more that I'm not comfortable with today. And then over time, yeah. that becomes more and more. And I find, certainly with my wife, my wife is not in the same place as um, as I am in this, even though in other ways she's more than me, but specifically on Shabbos. But slowly it, like, hey, okay, let's, I want to do that too. I want to, yeah. you know, take that on. So I just, I don't know how I got into, oh, because I was thinking about your story of kind of one day to the next of every, very traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it do, it is in a way. If you think about it, I mean, it it, it wasn't, but it felt like, that, and it is. Well, it wasn't. It me. is very traumatic. Yeah, it's a very like. Yeah, and I didn't. My, my mom wife always says, "She's knew. like, are you gonna come like religious one fell swoop?" I said, "Listen, I'm not." <laughs> no, you can't. It's not sustainable. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going back to what I came from. I'm never going right. back. That I'm not going back in that way. I found right. it. I found a lot of it too harsh. You know, it'll always yeah. be from a place of love and from a place of um, appreciation and joy and not, yeah. hey, let me bash someone someone over the head. Right. Yeah. And that's the most sustainable way to do anything, really. I mean, if, you, if you're if forced to do something, there's only such a long amount of time, a certain amount of time that you can keep it up, you know? But um, if you're doing something by choice um, and you're doing something from within, it's more real and then it is sustainable. And I think you're supposed to do it slowly, you know? You're not like... I know when I became religious, I didn't like do it overnight. I stopped um, doing one thing at a time, you know. Um, I remember koshering my kitchen. Um, I I didn't particularly um, think about it because I was already vegetarian, actually. But um, I remember doing that, and that was like it was a big 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 deal you know that was like enough for a few months you know <laughs> but I would still eat out that was like you know just fries you know what's in fries yeah. really trafe oil but you know <laughs> you don't think about that part but it's okay because the content was you know kosher right. um, and it took me time as well and I think you know I think that's why it is more real and I think for me personally I'm really happy that I didn't just buy everything everyone was selling me as a kid, you know, that I thought for myself and um, discovered things by myself. I really, I think it was, it makes it more real and it makes it more sustainable. And, you know. I think there was one other point also was, you know, when connected to Balchuva that I was thinking of um, is that the all or nothing concept Right, which is what I felt like I heard as a child. I did, you know, everything through um, through Chalav Yisrael, 
you know, or it doesn't make a difference what you're doing. That all or nothing concept also suggests that someone is doing everything they could. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no tshuva to do. There's nothing. I can't come closer. I can't do anything more for it. I'm already there. I'm from. What can I add to it? Versus, I think the other way, there's always the question of, can I do more for that? Is there something I can do more for it? Yeah. And one would have to assume, I've been thinking about this recently, that if, you know, chess is like an infinite game, meaning there's no perfect at chess. There's... Right. And there are many games that are basketball, baseball, soccer, art. These are all infinite games. There's no, I've gotten so good at it, I'm perfect. There's yeah. no, right? There's no better. They're infinite games. So life is also an infinite game. And yeah. Judaism would have to be an infinite game. Maybe that's what it means, you know? It is. And you're also supposed life. to work on yourself. You can't just be like, oh, I'm good. We're, we're, uh, Right. You know, then you're just staying at one point. You're not growing. Then what are you doing? Yeah, we can get you know? infinitely better at everything yes, forever. Maybe every aspect of it we can Yeah, do. you can always grow. You can always learn more. There's always more to learn, especially like the Torah is <laughs> so deep and there's so much. You and know? to be infinite. Yeah, of course. It is infinite. And um, I think also like just from an education perspective, like if you look at it like that, like look at all these opportunities for growth, it's the same thing as opposed to do this or you're in trouble. You know what I mean? We don't have detention in our school. That's like absolutely the first thing that went out with uh, Mia Maralmi. <laughs> like getting rid of the, the punishments and the harshness. Yeah, no, we have consequences, you know. Yeah. I don't really think we've had to... Oh, do we have consequences? I mean, we. I mean, of course we have consequences, but I'm saying it's natural, I would right. say. So like... Can you give an example? I'm yeah. trying to think of something because like... And it's not like one of one of the teachers calls the school utopia, you know, <laughs> because the vibes are so good and the girls are so good. And it's true. It is. So it's hard for me to pinpoint like a particular example. But um, let me think. Um, um, OK, let's say a girl in the dorm. Um, Goes, breaks curfew. She comes back after curfew. So she comes in early curfew the next night, just for one night. Not like you're never allowed out of the dorm again, you know. Um, it's kind of like connected. I mean, that's not even really a good example. That's really not a good example. That's a sa- It's a safety issue. So we have to do something like that. Right. But I feel like with, um, we have, we have, we go to the school therapist when we don't know how to help a kid who's struggling in an area. And each girl is so, every situation is so different. Um, so if a girl is not doing well in something, um, we'll try to f- more like find her the help that she needs instead of shaming her, putting her in detention. You didn't do your homework, you didn't do your homework. Oh, why didn't you, your home- didn't you do your homework? Are you having struggling reading? It's more like that. It's like more growth oriented. We don't really have a... Right. You know, I, oh, this is a good one. We have um, a uniform. We're a religious school. I don't care what the girls wear at home. That's not my business. I'm not policing what they do at home. Uh, that's between them and God. And I tell them all the time. But like in school, we cover our knees and we wear the school shirt. And um, and that's pretty much the entire uniform. And um, if they wear a short skirt, they go to the office and they buy a skirt. And then if they do it again, 
<laughs> they buy a skirt and then they stop doing it because how many black long skirts <laughs> does a teenager want? <laughs> Not form-fitting, you know, I don't know what they're looking for in a skirt, but l loose, flowy, like weird length skirts. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, that's a good example. Um, like it's a natural thing. It's not like trying to trip them up or catch them. Right, understand. You know, so yeah, right. and it works. By the way, most of the time, works most of the time. <laughs> they're still humans. They're, we're all a work in progress. You know, we're. Uh, but they're, you know, also like if you if you think about how amazing each and every one of them are, and how individual, and what each of them brings to the school, and you know, like what they're wearing is. It's not relevant. It's relevant because we are a religious school and we have rules. And with some rules, it's also healthy, you know, with things that are our set rules. And we have a number of rules and then we stick to them. But for the most part, we're really looking about what's inside, you know. Right. It doesn't be someone's uh, identity. Yeah. Today, yeah. Or a certain thing. It's just the rule of the school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your passion comes through. Your love for the students comes through. It's, it's nice to see. They're so cute. You should see them. You should come visit the school. It's a really cool place. God willing. Most of the time people say like um, they feel something, you know, when they walk in. I think that's a very common, a common um, thing. It's hard to describe. Like I can talk about it. I could talk about it for hours. Right. I mean, I know it inside out. I talk about it all day and I, and I work on it all day. But um, No, I it sounds neat. Maybe it'll be a field trip for my wife. Vibe. Yay. Cool. Welcome. Um, one question, um, maybe not related to others, but related to a conversation we're having before. So you were a little bit worried about the mics and the lights and everything else. Yes. Did they disappear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did. They did. Thank you. Thank you. For well, I, I really, I have to say, like, I walked in, I feel very comfortable. I don't feel, um, you know, like... It's something I've never, I've never done a podcast before, not even on our school podcast. <laughs> um, and um, I just, I didn't know what to expect. I specifically didn't watch any podcast. It was very tempting. <laughs> I wanted to, because I don't, I don't watch, I don't watch much. I like, you know, I, I don't watch much of anything. And um, I wanted to, I, I thought to myself, like, should I like prepare and like, you know, watch five episodes mm. and I'll like get the vibe of the people. And truthfully, I spoke to Yossi. He's so warm and comes across on the phone. And that really like helped me a lot. I think he said, I'm calling about the podcast and your school. And I was like, well, you want to know how magical it is? And he <laughs> said like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> and now I'm interested. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I think from the minute that I spoke to him, I felt very comfortable. That's it's awesome. just, it is awkward. Like, you know, there's, it's not a natural way to talk every day. You know, right. The space can't <laughs> fully be seen um, on the podcast, but there's some yes. several very large lights overhead. Yeah, but they really these. do disappear. They do. Right. And you have a beautiful team also, like really cool Thank people. You. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> you for coming out. We're very easy to talk to. And they told me, by the way, don't worry. He's got a, he's got a gift. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. And I do feel that was true. Awesome. Um, thank you. Thank well, thanks you for, for having coming. me. Yeah, and, and maybe you'll watch uh, a few uh, a few episodes now. Now I'm going to. I'm going to see how I compare. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we don't do not everyone has an accent Each... though you have to admit <laughs> <laughs> english accent we did have so we had yohi yohi rest we had a south african uh oh, fine okay uh, and he was singing on it he had sound balls a lot to compete with <laughs> oh, okay. In fact, no. All right. Each one is very, very unique. Um, I think I don't go in with. Um, Yassi gave me four or five notes right before I I sat down. I don't. I've prepared my whole life for this. I'm not. Yeah. I don't have a, a specific set of questions or anything else. Right. It's just a, a conversation That's between two human exactly beings. Exactly what I said. Because I was like, should I watch it? Should not watch it? Should I get this? Should I that? Should I write stuff down? Should I make notes? Should I prepare? And then I was like. I've been preparing for this my whole life. Like, <laughs> what am I going to prepare for? I can't predict what you're going to say. Even if I watch another, I could get a vibe. I could get your vibe on the podcast, right. obviously, you know, but I wanted it to be like more like kind of from the heart, I guess, or from like just more real, I guess, more right. like natural, you know? My, my sense is that different episodes bring out a different side of me. This is um, our fourth episode we recorded today and to me each one oh. felt very 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 different wow that's so cool how do you like because it's not work just like you were saying it's not work yeah, yeah. this is my uh exactly it's true this is my joy yeah it my is fun. it's something that you you can't really explain it it's like it's it's finding a purpose is the greatest thing that you can do right this and, i'm not sure if this is a purpose or a hobby i'm not or, quite okay <laughs> it doesn't matter finding quite, something yes something meaningful to do regularly you know right. i think that's really what it is because you know like even in school like our kids they do art they do dance they do this they do that and maybe they're not going to become a professional dancer maybe they're not going to become a professional artist maybe they will but they're gonna get in the habit of doing healthy cool things in their spare time you know and if it makes them happy then they might just do it Right. More than just at school, you know? 100%. Like also just getting opportunities to find out, do I like dancing? Do I like this? Do I like that? You know? Yeah. It's cool. And it doesn't feel like work. No, it doesn't feel like <laughs> Very cool. And it shouldn't feel to the other person like you're working either. No, right. it didn't. It really didn't. It, it, it took me about like five, ten minutes to like, <laughs> I think my shoulders <laughs> to drop. <laughs> but that's just because I know that there's cameras and all that. But right. That's why I asked if, because I, I said before that, that they were going to disappear. disappear. Yeah, no, they, they, they disappeared. Yeah, they did. They did. I definitely, I felt very comfortable. Okay. So if someone's nervous about doing this, they don't have to be. No, they could call me. I'll tell them, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. You're good. <laughs> It'll be awesome. fine. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, coming out. And thank you. And thank you for having um, me. I wish your uh, school a lot of success. Amen. Amen. Thank you and you and uh, your family and your podcast. And Thank you so much. Appreciate it.